Hi, this is the Holes of Your Mark show, and today I'm talking to my great friend, S. Rob. And what is the subject yeah. today? I didn't catch that last bit, so the microphone went a bit weird. What was that? Mr. Rob, what is it we are going to talk about today? Shall we push the uh, boat out a little bit? Yeah, we're talking about Attack Magic, which is a book I wrote. I also wrote a follow-up book called Attack Bottle Magic. To be precise, this is magic using the power of W.E. Fairburn, William Hewitt Fairburn. The great thing is, though, he wasn't a magical being. Uh, you know, you're not talking a devil or a demon or a god. You're talking a guy. And you're talking a guy who died. You know, you're talking a guy who wasn't a king. You know, he, he didn't have royal blood. He was a man who made himself into somebody, somebody important. Uh, and he wrote some books, some very important books. But and it's really drawing on that power. I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the guy's life story, because it doesn't really make sense unless you know a little bit about the guy, yeah? Yeah, that's no problem. Uh, basically, he went and joined the army too young. Uh, and then, after that, he ended up in the Shanghai Police Force, which was not lucky because it was the worst waterfront area in the world. It was the most dangerous place. He had criminals from all over the world who could use a number of martial arts, different brawling techniques. Uh, and when he was there, though, he wasn't there long before he got stabbed 37 times. Ow. That's how... Yeah, and he didn't die. That is the thing with this, is that the guy did not die. I think... Yeah, probably anybody except him, if they were stabbed 37 times, would die, but he didn't. What he did was, he got tougher. He didn't even run away, he just got a lot tougher, this guy. And he went to this uh, Chinese medical person, but he also did Kung Fu, this guy. And he taught him, as he was healing him, he taught him Kung Fu, but he also learned Kung Fu, Jiu-Jitsu, uh, boxing, also something from the American army that was there at the time, the Marines that was there, uh, the brawling techniques of a number of nationalities. And what he ended up producing was something completely different, which at the time was called Defendu. And it was basically what became eventually the basis of all military combat. And it was really, really simple, except it had a lot of, uh, a lot of quite fancy uh, restraint techniques because it was for police. And then after that point, then came World War Two. Like I said, he wasn't a lucky man, uh, and so he got recruited then. And this, by this point, this man isn't. This man is quite elderly by this point. Okay, and he had knife. Uh, wounds all over his body from all the many attacks from all the gangsters and things like this and then what he had to do then is he had to come up with a training uh, manual training method of fighting for uh, not just the, also the British but also it was used by Americans Canadians everybody learned this uh, and he had to do that and what he did is he, he took a lot of the restraint techniques out of Defendu and came up with something really simple there's only really a few four techniques or something that for most, uh, for like 50% of attacks, you know, if it's an attack where you're just striking, I think there's only like four or five techniques you need to use. And it was really simple. And he came up with this manual, and it was really important because before that point, they reckon a lot of the uh, manuals that the military were using in World War Two were really bad. People weren't doing well because the manuals were terrible. They also called him Dangerous Dan as well, that was his code name. Uh, and he invented things like the killing house where people rush in and they shoot people, you know, things that were as realistic as you could get at the time. Uh, and he also inspired other people. He 
because in actual fact his uh, students one went to America was an American and he actually wrote the kill or get killed manual which again became one of the most important manuals in, in uh, military combat but the, one of the other guy set up Krav Maga and he was one of his students as well so mm. the guy had a massive effect uh, and basically without him we wouldn't have won the war because it was a method of fighting that people could uh, could learn easily and it was taught to everybody the home guard the commandos you know everybody learned this you know that the, the equivalent of the SAS which was the SOE at the time they all learned this method of fighting uh, so he's a hugely important guy and what this magic is about is about partly the, the about that uh, the work he did, the books are so important that people still talk about them, and people still practice the methods. So I always thought you can summon that version of him, but there's also the fact that he's also died. So you can summon that version as well and get him to help. And I think most of the time, people are going to be summoning probably the version of W.E. Fairburn that comes from the... Uh, from the work he did, from the books, and the people still practice his methods. Uh, but sometimes you'll be summoning the actual dead guy. Uh, and to do this in the book, there's, you open two gateways, one to heaven and one to hell, because, frankly, we don't know where he went to, okay? He did difficult things in a difficult situation, but he killed a lot of people. You know this guy, he was killed a hell of a lot of people, and he helped a lot of other people kill a lot of people. So who knows where, where he went to? And then he summoned through... And then you ask him to do something, and then he departs, and then you close the gateways again. The bottle magic, the attack bottle magic book, is slightly different, because basically you're taking these rituals and bottling them, bottling them so that you've got it as a sort of talisman, is what you've got. And that's basically what mostly the book is about. But it's a really fascinating guy and a really tough bloke as well, you know. Yeah, you I definitely know, wouldn't like guy. to take him on in a, in a street fight, that's for sure. Yeah, well, the thing is, people still uh, use his methods. I've used his book for years just as exercise. You know, I'm not a martial artist, but I've used his Get Tough manual for loads of years because at one time I used to use, like, a mind book uh, for exercise because at the time, a lot of years ago, I was a kid's entertainer. You know, that's long before I was writing occult books. Uh, and then I switched over to this. And I don't think I'm very good, to be honest, but it's very simple, it's very basic. Uh, and there's so many people do it. He's so controversial as well. If you look online, all this World War II combative stuff, you get a lot of people who are against it, people who are for it, because it's basically opposite of your mixed martial arts. There's very little stuff in these books. They're basically very small. Uh, and there's not many techniques in it. In some ways, I feel it's sort of a version of what I certainly started off when I was writing occultism. I wanted to write stuff that was simple, that people could use without really uh, too much stuff. I wanted to just bring it down to, to what would work and get rid of a lot of the fluff. So in many ways, his book was sort of the inspiration for uh, the type of books that certainly I started off to write and still write now, to be honest. It was, you know, that it was an inspiration for it, you know, that you don't have to do this big fancy mess. You can actually cut it down and bring it down and make it more powerful that way. I think that's important because when I do karate, I find that if I stick to the basics and then do the exaggerated moves, it's a lot better. I mean, because I know I'm restricted in certain things I can do, but I accept my restrictions and I use my other things I know I can do. Yeah, well, I mean, there was once I used it recently, by recent-ish, and there was a guy who was actually trying to take a car that I was in. 
Right. And he was trying to go on, and he was trying to take the, into the front seat. So I actually put into this, uh, it's like a neck choke, like a, it's like a neck break or a neck hold. And I put him into that as best I could because there was a, uh, obviously the seat had a bit of something uh, behind him. But I put him in that, and I, I, at first I thought, do a hold of me. I thought, if I let him loose, because actually mother was right next to him in, in the seat, so she he was going to take the car with her in it. So I was actually quite worried, because she's quite an elderly woman. So I thought, I'll take a chance that he's just going to go. And I let him go, and he went like a bullet out of a gun out of that seat. He was just gone. You know, and that could have been a potentially very, very difficult situation. You know, who knows what he was going to do. Hmm. Don't you say, though, yeah. it, it, sometimes having that bit of knowledge, just, he, might have thought, he must have thought, oh, oh, he knows something, so I better not take him on. I think that's what it was, yeah, to be honest, yeah. It was that whole thing that people think, I oh, must know something so they're away. But there's not much to the book. It's very small. And I actually think there's probably more people that use that book than ever do martial arts per se because, you know, they get tough manuals there. The only different thing was I added a technique in that he didn't want removed, and that's the only difference. I had the one thing in he didn't want removed, which was sort of like a, like a jab, but using your hand open like that, and he didn't want that removed. So because he created it, I added it back in again. Yeah. But it's a great form of magic as well. Some of the guys are very powerful, and that's the thing is he's, uh, he's used for magic, but you're really using... Uh, what he built up through his life's work, what you're summoning most of the time is what he he summoned, what he managed to create through the methods he did, through passing them on, through the, the books that he wrote, through people in World War Two reading the books and afterwards and people practicing things from the books. And that's what you're actually summoning. And the thing is, there's a lot of power to it because people always assume you need to use these ancient entities. And he's not ancient. And in actual fact, the uh, the creation of this other being will have really happened over the period after World War Two, when the books were released. So you're not looking at anyone, any entity that is in or thousands of years old. You're talking decades old. That's all you're talking. Uh, and you're also talking, of course, a man who in any way would not have been thought of as being from any sort of special background. He was an ordinary guy. He was just an average, run-of-the-mill guy who chose uh, to do the best he could in difficult situations. Because we all seem to think that we'd all like the, you know, we'd all like the ideal situations in our lives. You know, only the good stuff to happen. You know, but this guy had a lot of bad stuff. And in reality, I think if you read between the lanes, there's probably a lot of things that are left out. Because he wouldn't have won all the time. Obviously, he lost at least once. But there's probably some horrific things that took place, uh, you know, to him and, and to other people. But but yeah, because he would have put himself in a, a situations where he would have known that it was be kill or be killed. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's some terrible, terrible things. But he did the best he possibly could. And that in itself is quite a thing to do. People don't always feel that they feel that if I do something, it won't matter. But this guy proves that it does matter if you do something. What you do, you know, what you choose to do with your life matters. Uh, it, you know, it, it's. I feel quite privileged that I was able to because no one ever used them for magic before. And I thought it's a good idea because, in many ways, like I said, he wanted to take all the bullshit away from what he was taught. You know, the stuff he didn't think was appropriate for what he needed. And he needed to train people quickly. And I thought, that is a good 
uh, idea for occultism. And that was really part of my inspiration. It wasn't the only inspiration, but it was part of it. Uh, is that whole thing. And that was, if you look at my first books, they're very pared down. And it, that was what led me to do some of the different things I did later on. You know, like we are open gateways using words and all these type of things. That came from that idea that I'd taken away a lot of the other stuff so I could start to, to see what it was really about and to add new things in. Uh, you know, but I think he's, he, you know, I think he was a really powerful man in his day. You know, he did some really great work. But like I said, he's really powerful when used for magic and not just to attack people. Anything you can word in terms of him attacking, he can he can be used for. So that would be something such as perhaps uh, you know uh, t attacking bad luck, you know, so that you have good luck. He can do that. Ironically, didn't have much good luck in his lifetime, but um, but he can be used for that too. He can be used to protect you, of course, to protect those that you uh, value highly in your life. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can do there, you know, a lot of things you can be used for. Uh, and that's a, it's a message as well. I hope that, that the books give a message that this guy uh, didn't have to be anyone special in order to do things that were special. You know? No, I agree with you there. Sometimes you've got... It, uh, my theory is, if I can help one person, I'm quite happy. Yeah. And you're right, yeah. It, it's... It's more important now because people have been taught that that they don't have any power. That there's no individual power, you know, that you, it's, it's just this big collective and you can't do anything. And people can do things, you know. It, people can do things. You don't have to uh, just wait, you know, and see what happens or do nothing. You can choose to do something. Uh, you know, he was a man who lived a life that was basically about power, when you think about it. It was about strength. Uh, and if you look at him, he wasn't a big guy, you know, which isn't that strange because I suppose the diet wasn't very good then. But he isn't really a big guy. He hasn't got uh, that going for him. Uh, he was just a person who just kept going with an iron will. Uh, and I thought that's a good message, you know. It's an empowering message for people. Uh, but like I said, he used some really, he seems to produce really strong results, uh, you know protected people who were getting cursed who uh, it seemed the other stuff they did wasn't working, they used W.E. Fairburn, there's no problem anymore, you know, they find that uh, the curses can't get to them uh, you know, all types of things people who, who wanted a better career and they used them to attack you know, the negative aspects of their career and they find that uh, the career opportunities open up, you know, it's just it's really powerful, and it shows the power that an individual can have, you know, the difference that one guy can have in his life, you know, even more so if you cooperate with other people, you know, but it's a strong message, it's a, and it's a difficult life the guy had as well, you know. I know we sometimes complain, or I do at times, not very often, you know, about things, you think, well, I wish it was more like this or like that, but that guy had a really hard life, you know, and he just kept going. He died an old man, and it wasn't through being killed, which is what you would have predicted. You know, it's it's incredible, it is. Well, he sounds a very interesting... I've never heard of him until you told me about him. I'll be honest about that. So, that, that is, that's why I like doing these podcasts yeah. and things like that, because I find out a lot of information that I never knew. Yeah, it's actually big, and a lot of these, uh, like, preppers... Uh, you know, these people who are... Yeah, the American, um, like, end of the world stuff. Yeah. 
very big on with them people because it's quick. You, I mean, you can go through the manual uh, straight away and you've basically got it. It's just one of those things you do it to try and get better. But with, I always just used it as a replacement for exercise, for some other exercise, you know. Because uh, I'm quite a big guy. And to be honest, when you're big and you're running, it does not fit. You know what I mean? No. Running doesn't really work with me you very you, well, you, you know. You look like a, a very bad impression of an ape. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, yeah. But uh, it just shows as well, though, that you don't have to limit yourself in occultism to these... You know, ancient gods, demons, devils, angels, you know, magical beings. You, you, you can actually use people. You know, it's a similar thing I did with the books where I used uh, uh, pirates. I think it was called Pirate Magic was one of them. And I used Blackbeard the Pirate, which is called Edward Teach. Oh, yeah, I know of him, yes. Yeah. Very clever man, no. actually. People underestimated his intelligence. He was a very clever man. He was, yeah. The thing is as well, though, is that for some reason I always feel uh, that some of these pirates get a bit of a uh, of a bad rap. Because, okay, they were stealing from people, some of them did some terrible things, but a lot of them didn't really have much of a choice because many of them were uh, were basically press-ganged into it. You know, where, they'd, where they were basically in a pub and then you'd drink and you'd find the Queen's shilling was in the bottom, the King's shilling that was at the bottom. And then you got hit on the head and you woke up on board a ship and you were an indentured servant. You had to work on board the ship for however long it was. And I feel, well, that's really tough when you're there and you're basically a slave and you probably left children behind uh, and you could be in the middle of a war and you don't know what it's like. It's quite possible back then that your captain was a complete idiot that was going to have no idea what to do and everyone was going to die. You know, it was tough back then. Uh, plus, I haven't actually... Someone traced the family tree back, and I've got a relative that was on the bounty, and of course they uh, revolted oh, wow. pirates. So, That's yeah, cool. I haven't traced it back, but one, yeah. The, uh, the actual funny thing is, the other side of the family, on my father's side, are actually Border Reavers. And they're not that dissimilar. They're sort of a land version, because the Border Reavers were uh, called... Reaver actually means Border Thief. Thief. And what they did is they stole from people and the people paid them protection money and things like this. But the th odd thing at the time was they were all on that band uh, where you've got Scotland and England. So basically they were all stealing off each other. What you had is these, these odd tribes of uh, thieves just stealing off each other all the time, which was slightly pointless when you think about it. <laughs> but, uh, but that's all you had. It was just bouncing backwards and forwards, you know. Do you find that when you use uh, people use magic and they don't understand it, do you think they they evoke something they shouldn't? I think it depends uh, what book it is. Well, my books, I'm always very careful with that and what people are doing. I think it's more fact of if they do something, if they watch a the horror film. And then they go and they pick up an occult book and they say, I don't need to read all that, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump to this part. And some occult books used to be written in the way that uh, the early stages were the first parts of the ritual. So people just think that the jumping to the good bit, they don't realise they're actually cutting off some vital parts of that ritual. And then anything can happen, because you basically cut off some of the preparation or some of the important parts. You know, uh, it really, if you alter a ritual, it's a new ritual. You know, if you do something different, you've got a brand new ritual, and you need to know what you're doing. But if you just take a bit, and you just take that, uh, you know, you can do anything because you're removing words and, 
stuff, you know, uh, because you get a lot of entities which are similar, but not the same. And so you have to stay carefully, you know, in, in terms which one it is and in a way that can be understood and clarifies it. Uh, otherwise, you're just summoning whatever the hell comes through, you know. But some of it as well is, is I think, is imagination. People, people expect it to go wrong. Uh, and so even if it doesn't go wrong, people get freaked out. Because, you know, when you first do, depends what you're doing, but if you start on some pretty hardcore rituals, the first time, I'll be honest, you do get scared. I did. You know, I mean, when I first doing, like, first writing books and I started to do bigger, bigger things, I used to get really scared. You would not believe how scared I was, you know. You know I, I've told you that story before, but mm. I remember the time I just wanted, people said that you shouldn't summon too many things. You, you can't do that. So I thought, well, I'm going to have to summon as many as I can. I knew I had to test it. And I thought, this is going to work. And I was there, basically, to be honest, I drank, what, two or three glasses of cheap whiskey. You know, that Canadian sort of whiskey that was cheap at that point in time. And it was, uh, and I did the ritual. And to be honest, I was as scared as you can imagine. That's why I was, I was basically partly drunk, is what I was. Uh, and it's easy to, to become scared like that. And I was. You know, and then afterwards, after a couple of days, you feel better and stronger. But, it, you know, what happens, sometimes people just get scared and they think something's went wrong because they're scared, and it hasn't, you know. Uh, it's like the Army of Devils book that I did. A lot of people, when they do that, find lights flickering, and so they get scared, and they feel that something must have went wrong. When it's actually not, that's a good saying. It's the things that you're summoning affecting the elements around you, you know, as long as you go at the end of the ritual, you complete it, there's no problem. Uh, it's just that whole fear thing. People are programmed a lot by horror films. Yeah, I believe uh, that. Because when I read your, like, yeah. a couple of your chapters, I could see where you was going, because you always do the, like, the summoning bit, and you always do the reverse bit of letting them go back yeah. to where they've gone. You always do it, every book I've ever read. Yeah. But I do do stuff in a few books, but yeah. It's a nice format, people like it, and it works, and that's the important thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's a whole idea of closing gateways and get open. You know, that you reverse it again, to set things back as they were. Uh, there is some forms of cultism that don't. Uh, like, there was something I did once on uh, Hindu uh, magic. I did it for Solar Vision Publishing at the time, so I had to, revert, had to uh, you know, test all this stuff out. And in their culture, they use Lord Ganesha at the start, but not at the end. Lord Ganesha is to mark the beginnings. Uh, so if you use Lord Ganesha, you've got to use him at the start, but normally I tend to use him, along, like you said, alongside some gateway entity. Uh, but he opens things up, but doesn't close it. So if you use him in a ritual, and you just use him, uh, you'll find that you're just expecting the things to leave on their own, of their own accord. And that's a thing as well. I did see Lord Ganesha, though, when I was doing uh, the ritual and I was testing it out. Uh, and that was quite scary, actually, to be honest, because it sounds crazy, but I do not like rats. I don't like them. And what you had was this small elephant-headed guy, which is it's not really like an elephant's head. It's sort of like an elephant's head, you know? Uh, and on a small rat... And it was just to one side, and I thought, Jesus Christ, I thought. And a funny thought came into my mind, I thought, you know what? If he wanted to give me a nose like that, I could get one. And this is the odd thing, he smiled. So he had a smile, and then he went. 
and it was it was very small. It wasn't like a giant rat. You're talking like very small. I know that people expect when you summon something for it to be really large, but sometimes they're very little. You know, very small. Uh, and then it disappeared, and it was completely solid. I thought, I'm not going to do anything. I'm not going to kick it. I move it. I touch it. I'm just going to leave it there. You know, because I didn't want to cause any offence. Uh, but it did appear, yeah. It, it fully solid form. Very small. But he predates Hinduism. Wow. Uh, Ganesha predates it by uh, thousands of years. He was uh, originally thought of as like, a demon, which isn't necessarily true, but some sort of magical being. He predates Hinduism by a long way. But yeah, he was right. He was right at my left hand side, uh, and he was fully solid. I was sitting down at the time, actually, on my set, even I did the ritual, and he was sitting there on a rat, and I don't have any rats near me, and then it disappeared with the rat. Mm. He disappeared and he was sitting on it. Well, I'm going to ask you something. Now, yeah. a lot of people, I think, misunderstand the concept of what you may do. They may yeah. seem it as that you're in league with the devil, as they said, would say. You, you know where I'm going here, because a lot of yeah, Americans... Yeah, I, I know where you're going, yeah. Because a lot of Americans do... Because, as I mentioned, I was trying to get you on the radio show and the woman was a bit wary of what you did because of the cold yeah. bit, which I could understand. But I know you're yeah. not... I know where you're coming from. I know you're not, like, no. a full-on the devil world. No, what, what? Not, no, that's that's the the daft thing. I mean, there is loads of these guys that think they are the Antichrist. They are, there's loads of them. They're very common, and they're not just uh, saying this, but they believe they are going to bring the end of the world and all like this. And I'm the exact opposite. I am for people power. I don't want the end of the world to happen. I live in the world. I mean, you know, if you look at the end of days in the Bible, and you interpret it because. The beginning of uh, of the Garden of Eden, when you've got you've got Adam, and then there's a rib, and then there's Eve. It's normally interpreted by Christian sort of theologians and people like that, and the internal uh, teachings of Christianity, which most people don't even know exist. It's basically interpreted as being uh, about first you've got the first version of humans, and they are spiritual. They do not have a physical body. Then. God destroys these ones or they die off, whatever, and then you get human 2.0. Human 2.0 are sexual beings. You've got a male and female, you have a physical body, and so they can't live in the Garden of Eden because they're physical. So the way you leave, and that's really what it's about. Now, if you look at the end of days, it says that uh, basically those that ascend, that go uh, you know, to heaven, cannot sin. Now, if you think about it, we have the ability to sin. We have freedom of choice, which means if you interpret it as you as the the uh, creation of Adam is normally interpreted in the first part there, as Genesis, then what you're really talking about is, uh, you know, the end of human 2.0, which is us, and the creating of creation of human 3.0, or the rebirth of humans 1.0, the first version. So it's not like people think it is. People tend to think, oh, we'll all go up and ascend. But in reality, it's more likely that we just die off because we can commit sins. So we die off, mm. maybe suffer a bit, and then that's it. So, see, I'm part of the world. I don't want the world to die off. Did you see, my, did you see my theories? What was that? Did you see my theories about... Um, 
What about God and... Um... Yeah, I did, yeah, yeah. I agree with you, they've basically got one guy doing the two jobs in that framework, yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, I just thought of it, I thought, well, the Bible says he's meant, we're meant to be in his image. I, every, everywhere you read it, it says that in the Bible somewhere. Oh, it does, yeah. So I thought, well, if we're exactly in his image, and we're um, good and evil, I thought, why can't God be good and evil? Yeah. Well, I don't think God is a being. I think he's an energy force, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't you mean, if you look at most of your beings that aren't Christian, what you get is that you get that they are good and evil. That's what you get, this whole good and evil thing. You get the both. Uh, I don't really, I, honestly speaking, I don't feel that the good versus evil thing works. I think if there's anything that will happen, I would try to help the change to reason versus fairness. Because I think fairness is a good thing, and I think reason's a good thing. And that way, whichever side wins, it's fine. And if they cooperate, it's fine. But if you look at good versus evil, evil can't really function on its own, and I don't feel good can. I don't think it would really work, you know? Uh, so what you've got then is you've got this system that can't work. Uh, and you've got a system that can't work, which if any side wins, you're in trouble. Uh, so I think that's far better, a better system, personally. The strange thing is, though, is that while everybody else thinks of the Antichrist, there's actually people that believe that I'm Moses, which puts me on the, on the opposite side completely, which means if I am the one of the incarnations of Moses, you know, uh, that some part of him is me, you know, it's on some level, which I'm, feels a bit odd, to be honest. But if that's true, I'm actually on the direct opposite side of them. Instead of them wanting to, you know, bring in the end of the world, uh, I, maybe I'm on the opposite side trying to stop the end of the world, you know. Well, I think Jesus was not, I think Jesus was a prophet, not like, a, like you know, like someone said, like, good words. And, yeah. And his yeah. story's been in... I'm not going to say exaggerated on purpose, but you know yeah. what I mean. You go down the road, you go to catch a fish, and you're not going to say, oh, yeah. it was a tiddler, it, oh, it was at least three foot hot, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, it's the way they wrote them as well. They were written not really to be understood, because at the time they thought that if we give, you know, the everyday people this knowledge, it's going to be like giving a nuclear bomb to an idiot. That's what they're thinking. Because you've got to remember, thousands of years ago, they were much less intelligent than we are now. So you had a small number of people who were writing these books who didn't want people to understand it, but they didn't want people to say they weren't told it. So you've got this weird, weird time that what you've got is you've got, uh, they're giving these things to people that aren't to be understood. It's like having a quiz with many, many possible answers and no way of knowing which one is the right one. Mm. And it's written like that all the way through the Bible. So that's why you've got the internal teachings that people don't even know exist. And it's really simple, the internal teachings, because that's the version which tells you what stuff actually means. Whereas the other stuff, that's for us. That's for the everyday folk, so that we can have that, and the priests and bishops can have the other version, which makes them look really clever, and we're all supposed to feel like idiots. We're supposed to feel like fools, because we can't understand something that they had to be given the answers to, to understand. Well, I, I always like the power of words. Now, there's a certain word that now has become like a symbol for coloured people, that this is empowerment. Yeah. I won't say it because yeah. people get a bit... Yeah. 
But you know what I mean. Now, yeah. I've got nothing against that, but I don't like yeah. the fact that if I was to say that word, I would basically be hung, drawn, and quartered. That's yeah. a bit I don't understand. I, I, I can understand a bit why, because of the slavery and the, the way we yeah. treated their past descendants, and I think that's where the clash is coming from, myself. Yeah. I agree with you. I think if a word isn't to be used, you just don't. It shouldn't be used by anybody. But I don't really like the idea of banning words. Oh no, I don't. Uh, no, I don't mean you should ban a word because it that makes yeah. it more, 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 even more powerful. You look at the song "Relax" by Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Now they banned that. Yeah. Well, obviously, there's lyrics in it. I can understand why. But the the minute they banned it, it went sky high. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Well, if what word do the band next? They could ban any word next. You know. What do you do? You ban the word ah. You can't use the word ah anymore. You'd be stuck there, wouldn't you? I got to go to the Wouldn't you? Yeah. I can't go to. Oh, I can't use that word. Yeah. It's just just crazy, isn't it? But uh, you know. I, I don't really get all this political correctness stuff, to be honest. Oh, it's, um, it's mind control in a different no. way, that's my theory. Because it's it, makes, is, yeah. it, it makes us think about it. You think you go down the park and you're just looking at a kid playing because you, like, you remember when you was kids, that's all it is. But you don't stop for five minutes because you think, oh, if I stop, someone's going to think I'm a pervert. Yeah, I know, yeah, it's crazy, isn't it? I mean, I think a lot of this comes from the UN. Because it's funny, isn't it? People think, where's the Illuminati? They're controlling the world. And everyone thinks, it's the bangers. The bangers control the money. But the United Nations control the rules. And all the prime ministers and presidents all basically do what they tell them to do. Because we saw when there was a smoking ban, you'd have noticed like everyone else did, you know, that Tony Blair was there saying, yes, well, you know, I have decided to do this for the good of people and we're having a smoking ban. And... There was presidents and prime ministers saying this all over the world, and people thought, wait a minute, but they're all doing all doing the same thing. And it wasn't, it was because in that case it was a World Health Organization giving them a directive. My theory is the UN does exactly the same thing. And if you look on their website, there's a lot of things which they give as directives to all the member, to members of the United Nations, which is basically basically almost all the countries in the world. So what you've got is that they are telling everyone what to do. Uh, it's like the equivalent would be, imagine that we were both getting drunk, we are in a pub getting drunk, and we decided, you know what, we don't like blue, we do not like the colour blue, you know what, let's just ban blue. And then, if we were in the United Nations, that would go down, and then it would go down to Prime Ministers and Presidents, and you'd have the Prime Minister saying, well, you know, we have to do research to find why the colour blue is so bad. And you'd find that money would go to universities, with, but they would have to find that the colour blue was bad. Because if they couldn't find the colour blue was bad, you know, they wouldn't get the, the money for the PhDs or for the research, uh, as they do with, uh, with climate change. You know, if you, don't, if you find that it's wrong, then you wouldn't get your PhD or you'd lose your funding. Now, what do you uh, think of the current weather situation yeah. we're in? Do you think, I personally think global warming is here, and this is nature's way of saying, yes, it's here, giving us a severe warning to, like, Get you get your arse again, do something about it. I actually think it oscillates the temperature a lot, it moves. Uh, I my feeling is that yes, we are doing some things that are bad for the environment, 
well, we need to fix some of these things, but I also feel a lot of people are using this as a method of control, you know? Uh, there's a lot of people who want to panic people. Uh, you know, panic them to doing what they want them to do. Mm. You know, it seems it's all, it all seems, feels together, you know, it feels like somehow that if you panic people enough, then maybe you can get them to want to have microchips in, the, in their arms, you know, and stuff like this, or and things like that, you know. Uh, which to me, it just feels too much, you know, the idea that everyone's got to have a microchip in the, in the hand or wherever, and they've got to do this and that. It's just too many rules now, you know. Some people do do that, though, don't they? Yeah. I've seen that on the telly, people actually do that. They put microchips in so they can go around the house and not worry about opening doors. And... Yeah, it's I crazy. Thought... See, you know what I thought? I thought if it gets that bad where people are having microchips in the hand, that if I could replace my marriage or reprogram it so it says that I am the rightful king of England and reprogram it so the Queen says she's a tea lady, my theory is by that point people will be thinking so little for themselves I will end up the king. I'll just be sitting there on the throne and the Queen will be serving me tea just because I've got the right microchip, which isn't really much difference from now, is it? No. You know, microchip, right name, what difference is it really, you know? Yeah, but it, it's just a name at the end of the day, isn't it? I think the trouble is people say, I, d- I, d- I don't like the fact we've got royalty, but the trouble is they do bring a lot of money into this country. That yeah, is true. I that... always wondered about that, though, whether they actually bring it in. Yeah, you well, know, I don't, I'm too sure, you know, but it, it's always said, I think we ought to have a little bit of proof. Like, a, oh, yeah, yeah, this is, this, yeah. Is, this is what they bring in. Because it costs a lot, don't they, really? Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the cost... And it's not just that. You've also got, like, a Buckingham Palace. That's going to need to be repaired. And then we're probably paying for the repairs. And then you've got all the staff. And you've got this weird thing where the Queen's got her head on money when, ironically, she doesn't need any because people give her everything. I mean, that is just a weird system, isn't it? She, she can I go in any money. shop in the world in this country and not pay a penny. Exactly, yeah. Look, if we were to go and make our own money and we put our put, you know, you on one side and me on the other, and we'll just call it one doubloon, we wouldn't get a damn thing for that doubloon anyway. Just, this is crazy. You've just got your head on this on this piece of paper. You've got his head on one side, yours on the other. It's called one doubloon. This is not worth anything. But there is no difference in the system. No. There's no difference. The Bank of England, there's no gold there anymore. There's, you know, the gold is on, is on loan. It goes, it goes to one place to another, doesn't it? So electro- the trouble is we want electronic money now as well. I want you, they don't, they don't want you to have cash. Because you try and pay for anything in cash. It's like, no. Even when you've got a plumber, we had a plumber once come to the door. We had the money ready for him. Oh no, I can't take money. You've got to pay by the direct debit. I said, yeah, but we've got it here. In our hand, now. I that's where they want to move us to a cashless society. Uh, I don't like that at all, actually. I don't. I, I like to have some cash, but the idea, you see, the idea that you get rid of it, because then you can't take it out, and that's what worries me at that point. If I can't take my money out, how the hell is that my money? And also, they know exactly what you're spending it on, to the last penny. So if you're do- yeah, but it just feels bad that, you know. So if you're doing something you're not meant to be doing, everything, ah, oh, 
Mr. Raines, I see you spent 30 quid last week watching porn. Why did you watch porn? <laughs> but you see that, but the British banking system relies upon dodgy money. It's just it's got to come from another source, that's all. They've got money from money laundering and from drug barons and God and no one knows what. Oh, so yeah, there's, the there's a very, system, they, what know? they call the uh, dark economy, isn't there? I think it's called. Yeah. But they've got loads of it flowing from like huge big drug barons. It just has to come in from another country, that's all. The reality is this, if you said, oh, I want to do this and it's dodgy, all you have to do is to do it from another country and you'd be fine, they wouldn't care. It's just, you know, it's crazy, isn't it? Uh, same as like, when you leave the country, you can only take so much money with you. You know, I remember when I went to, uh, to where was it again? Uh, it was in Spain, I'm trying to think that anyway, where it was. Barcelona in Spain. And I, swear, I didn't know how much I'd have to spend, so I took a, a certain amount with me, and I was just within the limits. It, was, it wasn't a lot, it was over like a grand or something. But when you work out how much you're going to be spending, they had no idea, it hadn't been before. It could have been any amount, you know? Oh, foreign uh, money is a nightmare yeah, to work out. Yeah, and the thing was, it was like, why have you got all this money? I thought, well, this is crazy. And I realised then, if I had a little bit more, that would have been the problem. Seriously, they wouldn't have let us out of the country. And that's just crazy that you can't, you know, take your own money out. Because at one point you could, you could just, you know, when I first opened my bank account when I was a kid, they asked me what name I had. I didn't have to provide any proof. How could I open that bank account as Napoleon Solo or Santa Claus and nobody would have minded? You know, I could have just taken a big suitcase full of cash out of the country and nobody cared. And I know there's downsides to that, but you know what? I think there's more upsides because now it's gone so far. Oh my so God! You need a passport. Like, like, oh, you've got to have a passport photo. Well, I'm not paying eighty quid to get a passport for one I never use. Yeah, it is insane. Cause it's just you know, it is. It's just you've got to have this and that, and then you've got to show them this. Everything's difficult. It is really. You know, the odd thing is. It's actually easier now to set up a company than it is to set up a bank account. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. But it is. I bet you don't even know. I think sometimes you don't even need any money. No, you know, you can, you can set up a company up and just go online. You pay about 50 quid. Just to, just to, and then you've got a limited company. Uh, but it's the bank account that if you set one up that takes the time. It's, it's setting up the bank. You know, and, and I know when I set up Weaver Media, you go and you go to the bank and they're treating you like, so I don't need a loan any money. You know, I didn't need a loan any, but it doesn't matter. You've got to go there and ask these questions. And I thought, this is ridiculous. It took about, what, like an hour <laughs> to set up the company and maybe a few days, to be fair, because you, we get something back. In fact, I didn't tell you now that the paperwork took about 10 minutes or something like that. And then you've got a company. But the bank account, oh, you know, lower the bank account, you've got to do all this and that, and it's, it's insane, it is, it's, you can set up a company like that, you know, when you're a kid, and if you haven't set up a company, they tell you that it's really complicated, when you have to do this and that, it's not, setting up an actual company is simple, you know, uh, you need to put some money in it, but basically it's simple, but it's the bank account that's the problem, they're just all the time, you know, it is insane. Well, I used uh, to, do, I used to have PayPal. And then I thought, yeah, I've got one else as well. and, and yeah. the trouble with PayPal is, you got to pay the money, and you got to take it out again. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 it's
is, yeah. I mean, I lost about, what, just short of a £1,000 on PayPal for no reason. Uh, because basically what happened was... Uh, Somebody said it, well, it was like, I think it was from spell casting or whatever the hell it was. And they said, well, this looks strange. It's very, very peculiar. So they just impounded it. Uh, now, they're supposed to unimpound it after three months or six months. It's been there years. There's no way that money is ever coming back to me. And it's, uh, it's about £1,000 a day. It's just a little bit short. That PayPal have got. And yet I still have to use PayPal because everyone uses it. What about that annoys you something rotten? Well, it is, yeah. I mean, I'll tell them at the time. What it is, though, is you've got to keep your PayPal almost empty. You don't put anything... You just If you can keep it empty, you just move things in there. You don't want to keep anything in it, you know? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it was... That's not a, a small amount. When you think about it, it doesn't seem a huge amount, but just sort of a grand... You can actually yeah, quite a, a, a grand these pounds. days isn't what it was years ago. That's true, yeah. I mean, relation-wise, what you can get for a grand now... You could not. You, ten ten years ago, you'd have got probably got a, nearly enough got a house. <laughs> yeah. You would have done there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it is crazy though. Yeah, but you can lose it like that. You know. Uh, but the written PayPal don't even go to court if you call them. So if if someone goes to court and summon them, they won't even go to court uh, with PayPal. You know, uh, they just don't turn up. They don't care, do they? They think it's your money. Bothered. They actually call them the PayPal Mafia, some people, because they just, you know, they don't turn up. If they, if they get uh, a summons to court, they just don't bother. Which is crazy, that is. The fact that they can just not turn up, you know. If you was the other way around, they'd be, they, would, you, they would chase you to Kingdom Come. Oh, they would, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they would hound you and hound you and hound you. Uh, to the end of your days, it was the other way around, yeah. it's. I've heard a lot of people have like, a problem with sold debts. They pay the debt off, right? Yeah. And they, the another company comes knocking the door and say, "Oh, uh, Mr. Smith, you, you owe fifty quid." No, I paid such and such. Oh, it's not in the computer. No, I paid. Look, I got it in it. Oh no, it's not. I don't. You've got the paperwork and everything says so paid, right? Oh, it's not on our computer system, so you haven't paid it. But look there, paperwork. Look in my hand. Look date, time, paid. And they'll argue with you at the door. You haven't paid it. You think, no, I have. <laughs> exactly, yeah. It, you know, that's why I don't really loan money now. I don't, you know. As far as I'm concerned, the mortgage is paid off, that's it. I don't really bother with it because it just feels... Uh, it feels now they're turning debt into a type of slavery for people. Especially with students. Because basically these students can't even default on that debt. And they end up with such a huge student loan. Uh, it is because that's that people realise the word indenture, and you know indentured servant actually originally meant uh, you know slave to debt. That's what it actually translates as. Ah. So so that's what they're doing, especially with the students, because it's you know it's crazy the amount they have to pay to go to university if they go, but if they do go, it's so such a massive amount, you know. It's, I don't know who really does it. I really don't because you probably have to wait work about ten years to pay it all off. It is, yeah. I got my degree from the Open University. It costs about what would it? I think it was about eight hundred quid is what it costs. That's <laughs> nothing compared to now. That that people be going eight hundred quid. Cool, Are you lucky. <laughs> Yeah. It, it is, that's what it was. It was 800 quid. That's, you know, it's just... Back then it was a lot of money. That was a lot of money back then. Yeah, 
Mm. To be honest, it wasn't that much. It wasn't. I got it in about, was it 2011, 2012? So it wasn't that far back. I was a mature student and it wasn't really, it wasn't that much, you know. And the reason was because all you got was a load of books. You know, in notion you had like a tutor on the other end, but in reality you had to work stuff out on your own and you just did the exams and the paperwork. You know, it was, it was, you didn't get the backup you get on the sort of university. You just get like a load of books and you sing or you swim, you know. Yeah, you see, basically you've got to do the whole graph, right? You have, yeah. It's just the way it works. And a lot of people, I think, like I did, you're not thinking of a degree, you're just doing courses and then you end up with a degree. You know, it's sort of like that, you know. Uh, and because it can take a while, because sometimes we're doing something else at the time, people just like do it however they want. But it's even that's a lot more expensive. Now that's gone to about I think is it, I think it went up to five and a half grand, and then it went up to like ten or fifteen. It is now, so it's actually not cheap anymore. It's you know it's not really cheap. It's an expensive set of books, is what it is now. You know. Well, I try to learn. I do look at things. It's, the trouble is my concentration because of my. I have brain issues at because I've got small vessel disease of the brain, so I have problems concentrating sometimes and speech and memory and stuff like that. I've only got a mild form of it, but it can be a real pain in the arse sometimes. Yeah. But um, I just find it I can't concentrate like I used to like that. I could talk like this if it was an audio book. I probably could digest it quite easily. Yeah, well, people just put the e-books uh, through reader software. A lot of people do that, you know. Uh, so, see, at one time it used to be where a blind person needed an audiobook, you know, or, or someone like you. Now they just use e-books and just use a reader software so that you can get anything that's an e-book form. Yeah. Um, and so you, got, you can get, like, stuff, I think I've got it on my uh, computer. You just click on it and it'll even read websites and stuff. I don't really use it, but you can do. Yeah, it's fantastic what you can do, isn't it? It's a, probably an American yeah. voice. <laughs> it is an American voice, yeah. They've got like, so they've got, uh, you know, male ones, female ones, but they all sound Americanish, you know. But, It'd be nice for someone to yeah. call a British one, wouldn't it? It would, yeah. It's because the thing is, I think the problem is that the version of British accent they have in America is like a Stephen Fry accent. And nobody talks like that. I don't know a single person that talks like that. Oh, the proper posh way, you know. Yeah, that's what the... You know, and that's what... They think that's what we're like. Oh, yes. I've had that, because when I've spoke to people, I have have to slow down my accent a little bit. I have to talk a little bit more like this. Because yeah. if I don't talk more like I'm talking to you, they struggle yeah. a bit. Yeah. You know what I found? I found that... For some reason, the places in America that you're not familiar with, you know, the, places, the names of the places you're not familiar with, the states, they seem to have less problems. I don't know why, but they seem to. Strange, you know. Uh, I don't know why, but I don't think Texas are too bad either. And I forget where that other place it was, but, you know, the places that the states that you probably don't know, they seem to be the ones that seem to have less problems, you know. Hmm. It could be because I think they're the ones that tend to have more Native Americans in. Yeah, probably so they're, they're more understanding. Native Americans, have, their language was very... I think it was used in the Second World War, I think, if I'm correct. And Welsh was used right, in, yeah. 
and the Welsh, well, a Welsh unit was set up as well, because they, the enemy couldn't understand what they was, how they were talking about. Isn't it? Think about it when you can, when you can start to use information like that that uh, they're never going to have access to. What wouldn't normally, you know? Yeah, it's great. I, 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 I keep saying to people, and I know people think I'm mad, but I keep saying, you listen to Trump. He's the same kind of rhetoric, not completely, but similar to Hitler, the way he, he says things. Yeah. I think the thing is, they tend to work from the same... Uh, pattern, the same code, do you know what I mean? I honestly don't know what it is, but I know Scientology has like a certain way that people are supposed to talk, and I think that's what they're using, I would guess, because I think they're all using this pattern. I think it was covered in, uh, uh, I'm trying to think, in the, the first book of Scientology, Diet, Dianetics, I think it was covered by L. Ron Hubbard, I think it was in that one, I haven't read it, but I think it's in that, and it's things like... Uh, you know, when you start off talking, I know that you're supposed to give people uh, time, you know, get attention, and then you're supposed to talk at a level that they can understand all these things. And I think that's what they're basically doing, is that. That's why it's... Uh, but it wouldn't surprise me that uh, if Hitler did the same thing, because he was a great public speaker. Well, yeah, people understand. I mean, I'm not, I'm not condoning what he did, but he no, was... No, he was a good public speaker. But he was a brilliant orientator. You know, he, he got a whole country believing in him. I mean, he did. Oh yeah. I mean, basically, it they were helped by the fact that Germany were treated like shit on that World War. We did treat them like absolute, like you know, bugger off. You ain't gonna have nothing. And then they wondered why they thought, oh, fuck you, yeah. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. The thing is, as well, though, is it was also also uh, occult societies in. Uh, of course, not to Germany as well, you know. Uh, oh yes, Hitler had an occult unit, thing. didn't he? He had a, a he did, yeah. dedicated unit. Because sim- that's why they changed the symbol of the swastika, wasn't it? That was the oh, mental... Yeah, the... I think it's a Hindu, oh, yeah. Hindu or something symbol. They just it's changed it. Similar. Yeah, it's a similar power. He just flipped it around the other way. That's what he did. Uh, you know, the thing is, what you tend to get though is that you're getting people now that are using things that some people are just using the symbols of power as symbols of power, but there's some people using them to because they want to use a swastika but can't use one. So you've got that weird thing as well that people are making things that look like round and swastika like that are symbols of power, but they're using them in place of them alongside the people who are using them just as symbols. So there's a weird, it's weird now. Uh, it is weird. There's some very crazy stuff going on there, you know. Well, I, I, I always dislike the company SCUK. Yeah. You know the brand I'm talking about. Because I just I'm remember, I, I, just, I remember my mate, in it, well, I admit he had a, a T-shirt that said, fuck off, and a, one in the ear said F, and the other one said off. But, All right, yeah. But I will admit that was a bit offensive. But I just have to laugh now that you can actually buy a perfume and all they did was move one letter. <laughs> That's right, yeah. It is crazy, isn't it, the way things work out, yeah. But that's the only thing that people really miss with World War Two is if anything, it seems to dem- demonic all sort of uh, magic. Because, I mean, it was dark magic we're using, the Nazis were using, but it seems to 
you know, put it on the side that, you know, oh, they were the occultists and they were evil. But you had ones on the other side, because on, on all the other sides as well. You know, occultists, I would think, when it comes to war, like Sikhs, you know what I mean? There's always an occultist on every side, even if there's not supposed to be one. Well, Holy Crusade is a perfect example. I mean, they all taught priests, didn't they? Oh, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, like, a good example is the Spanish Inquisition. Oh, the yeah. official version, yeah, the official version of that is that, you know, you've got these priests in there, you've got these people who were supposed to be evil, but in actual fact weren't doing dark magic and were uh, mostly Jewish. In actual fact, they were doing dark magic because they went to Brazil. Because uh, what they did is a lot of them, at the time of the Spanish Inquisition, buggered off to Portugal and buggered off to Brazil. Now, when they were there, they found that the... Uh, that there was a cultist there, and they brought their dark magic there, and that mutated over a series of years into uh, Quimbamba Voodoo. So Quimbamba Voodoo's got the influence from Western dark magic, bringing the dark magicians that, that fled the Spanish Inquisition. But the thing is, though, you can prove now that the bishops were doing uh, dark magic as well. They weren't just doing stuff where, with the uh, tree of life that, that was banned. They were doing probably full-on Satanism is what a lot of them were doing. So what you had is uh, essentially one group of dark magicians rounding up another group of dark magicians. <laughs> It doesn't make any sense at all, does it, you know? And I, I dare say some of the people doing light magic got sort of caught in the middle, but that's all you had is rival groups attacking each other, you know? And it looked on the surface like it was all about this and that, and it was just about clearing up, you know, uh, more public dark magicians, you know? Hmm. Would you like to give any links as usual, as well? Because I know you've got some fantastic books out there. Uh, I have read myself, and I think they're very good. I would highly recommend for anybody to have at least a nosedive into one. Yeah, a good thing to do is to go to, if you go to Google and put in, sorry, into Amazon and put in S-Rob Attack Magic, you'll find that book comes up. Uh, and there's also Attack Bottle Magic. Alternatively, you can go to my website, www.srob.co.uk, uh, you'll find on there, you can click on there and it'll take you, you can go to Amazon, the Amazon page. There's also stuff about me on there. Uh, there's also an S-Rob TV, if you click on that, which is a streaming TV channel, just to me. And that link's on, on the top of, of one bars across the bar across the top of the web page. Uh, you can also click on Weavan Media and there's a streaming TV channel on there and that streams around all the time. Uh, and that's got me horror hosting various films. It's also got uh, the world magic movement on there and things like that and various other things. And that goes 24 hours a day. And, you know, again, the website is www.srob.co.uk. I do like your silent videos. Yeah, I actually uh, worked really hard on those because I had no idea how to do it. I had the concept, but no idea. That, that's the truth. Like, they do work. Although I, 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 they're very strange, they hypnotise you. In the yeah, fact, you're thinking. I love them actually. Yeah. The only problem is the internet is set up for language. So the original, I'll be honest, the original idea was I thought, well, because Amazon are really awkward about video. Uh, now there's all these things you've got to do, which is just really difficult. So and I thought about it for a while. I thought silent occultism would cut through all the language problems and they would therefore, uh, you know, there'd be no problem. And, and I, I worked out how to do it. So I had to watch all these Charlie Chaplins and I watched 
Uh, I really did. I watched Buster Keaton, uh, mostly Charlie Chaplin, actually. And I experimented with stuff until I came up with the idea. But when I did, I found that Amazon, they were still weird. They weren't set up for it. You know, you can't put into any of these places where you put video that you've got a video for any language. I was trying to put all of the different... Because originally I was actually going to put the opening text in all languages. So the opening introduction would tell you what it was for in all languages. But it wasn't even possible. You can't cut and paste things from a translator. Sorry. Any of the software I needed to to make the titles, which is why there's no titles on them. It's why all the titles and things are below uh, on the title or below what it, where it is, you know, because you couldn't do that. Uh, but yeah, I've got people to distribute them as well. So there's some of them went in Brazil and different places. Uh, so yeah, the, they seem to get more outside of the English speaking world, I think. Because uh, they get it, they, they get the concept, see? Because they see, they see that you're trying to explain to them how to do something. But because obviously you can't speak in their language, they're thinking, oh, I can see where that's going. Oh, what's that? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. But the thing, the thing was, a lot of the ones I got were from, uh, uh, you know, like you said, people who hadn't read anything that I'd done before. The only one, I got one uh, guy who, who didn't get it at all. But I've only got a lot of things back from people saying, oh, I did this, I played this, and it worked, and I did this, you know. So it's great, you know. But it took a long time to work out how to do it. <laughs> it really did, because I thought, because all the movements represent something. Oh, yeah, I get with that. I could see that. I could, yeah. I could yeah. see they went, oh, I thought, oh, that obviously yeah. means, oh, you must do this bit. Because I saw you repeat yeah. something again backwards. Almost. Yeah. And I thought, ah, that's, that's the opening bit. That's the closing bit. Yeah. So I figured exactly. that bit out. Yeah. The only thing I heard was it was like, I think it was disclosed TV, and I put them on there, and they must have thought they were all the same. So the problem I've got now is that they don't take links from that from that channel, the YouTube channel I've got. It's one of my YouTube channels. So it's weird. So I'm going to have to post some of the stuff on there, the different channels, to get it on there because they just thought it was the same. Someone just looked at it and thought, this is just all silent stuff, and they just didn't get it. No, because is, if it's shown in sequence, like one, you watch one, then you watch the next one, then you watch the next yeah. one, you get it, but if you just watch it one block, you'd be going, this guy's weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just didn't get it, you know. Uh, and I think the thing is that people that get it are those that are into paranormal or occultism. If you don't, if you have no knowledge of occultism or the paranormal or any of this stuff, uh, or UFOs or anything that's strange, you just watch it. It's, for those people, I'm not sure whether it always makes sense to them, you know what I mean? Uh, they see it and it's just like, what the hell is this guy doing? You know, they haven't got an imaginative just... mind because to be a cryptozoologist or paranormal or Wiccan or magic or anything yeah. that's considered off-field is that you have to have an imagination. You People can say, yeah, but you know it's not true. You say, well, you prove it then. languages and things like this so they're out there now those ones uh, and like I said they're just lots of places they were posted in you know as many languages uh, places as we could uh, you know so you know it, it's a good thing you know it's a good thing I should continue with it I think you, uh, you know a silent video like that yeah. I have two minutes <laughs> 
My wife is calling me, Mr. Rob, so I have to go. But I do appreciate you spending the time with me, and I think this will come across quite well. I'm going to post it to my Anchor FM one, and that will go on to Spotify at some time. Okay, thanks a lot, great. Would that be easier to find? Yeah, it should be, yeah. Right, thank you again for another fantastic chat. Okay, thanks a lot. Bye.